Hey everybody, welcome to AST Radio. Uh, this is uh, your host Sasquatch. I'm here in the uh, the the lair of Patton Oswalt. Uh, there's a there's a trickling noise coming from behind the, a wall. There's you replica can, you guns. Can, uh, you can take your blindfold off now. That you're oh, here. good, yeah. good. Yeah, I don't know where I am. I just yeah. know that there's uh, a lot of uh, memorabilia surrounding me. Yeah, the uh, boys will the boys will trank you right before you leave. <laughs> you'll wake up in your house. You'll right. be you'll be okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, just have a, a zip disk on my chest <laughs> with an <laughs> autographed. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the interview, Exactly, P. yeah. Never contact me again. <laughs> All right, so uh, when did I interview you? Like last winter? Uh, it was about six months we ago, maybe. We got together at the, uh, at the fabulous Chato Tea Room. Yeah, yeah. And had a nice long talk. Yeah, and uh, it seems like you've been, you've been pretty busy since then. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird. Uh, that interview... I tried my best to be uh, really specific and um, uh, wise about stand-up and my career and stuff mm-hmm. like. And this is how it is. Like it was, I, I tried to be very final about a lot of things, mm-hmm. and then once that interview was over, all this new shit started happening and <laughs> turned everything on its head. Right. So right. now I'm, I'm like back at zero. Yeah. Which is good. Well, that that gives us an opportunity to catch up and uh, see what's new. Um, yeah. Let's start with uh, Ratatouille, since you can talk about it now, right? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, this is the new Pixar movie. It's coming out next year. It comes out next summer, uh, June 29th. Whatever the, whatever the last Friday in June is, okay. is when it comes out. And it's directed by Brad Bird, Brad Bird. who did uh, in- The Incredibles and yeah. uh, Iron Giant and worked mm-hmm. on The Simpsons uh, for a while. Yeah. Uh, tell us how you got that job. That sounds like a dream job. Yeah, I love telling this story because I need to repeat it so that it makes sense to me because it really doesn't. Um, apparently, Brad Bird and his producer, Brad Lewis, and John Lasseter were used to see me in San Francisco. They would come into the city oh, wow. and watch me. I had no idea. I had no idea. I mean, I knew their names. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I put my CD out, the, it, it made its way around the Pixar offices and um, they heard it and said, hey, we like that voice. And they brought me up to the Pixar offices in Emeryville last year. This is probably in August or September of last year. Mm-hmm. We did a big tour. The, the Pixar offices themselves were were amazing. Mm-hmm. If my CD had gotten me just a tour of the Pixar <laughs> offices, I would have been like, you know, demanding high fives from people. Right. But, um, and then they, they showed me all the sculptures and figures of this movie called Ratatouille about a, a little rat that wants to be a, a chef in a famous restaurant in Paris. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's when I was really getting into, like, I, I was watching a lot of Anthony Bourdain and reading, um, you know, books like The Whole Beast and mm-hmm. the, the Aquavit Cookbook. So I was starting to get into all this yeah. this celebrity chef stuff. So I guess that really clicked with me and Brad because we were just joking about all this. Because, they, you know, they researched the, – the, the amount of research they do for their movies is so deep and rich for things that – probably won't even be in the forefront on screen, but mm-hmm. it matters to them because it maps out the universe to right, them. Right. Uh, so <clears throat> we started talking about all that, and then I think that enthusiasm, because basically it's about it's a rat that's enthusiastic about something that no one else around him is really that into, mm-hmm. which is kind of how I am with all these chefs <laughs> and food and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess that's what really came through. And even when I was reading that those parts, I didn't put it together in my head, which kind of shows you how... Um, you know, autistic and and 
out of touch I am all the, all the time, that this was the main character. I thought that he was a rat that was enthusiastic about it, or maybe he was like a, a side character or something. Mm-hmm. And then when I literally the next day, oh my, I gotta I gotta stop using literally. I do use that <laughs> way too much. But it was the next day, so it was literally the next day. <laughs> My manager called and said, oh, you got the part, and, and I was really excited, and then um, it, it wasn't until later in the day that I put together, because then Brad called me and said, now, you know, you're going to do like eight or ten sessions, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is the main character. <laughs> <laughs> so I started losing my mind a little bit. Yeah. It was really weird. It was really, uh, I think my main concern was I told, you know, my manager knew, and then no one else knew, and I wanted to keep it really quiet, because... There was a huge contract that I signed. But also, um, Pixar is a big deal for me. I mean, I've, I've been a fan of theirs since I used to go to animation festivals mm-hmm. back in the 80s. And I'd see, you know, their first that first animated film with, yeah. the, with the lamp. So, right. you know, when we cut the teaser together, I wanted it to be a surprise for a lot of people. So I had yeah. to keep, especially I had to keep it from my wife. Oh, really? Which was really crazy. Um, <clears throat> the weirdest part was when I went up to... Uh, San Francisco for a weekend, and uh, Brad Bird called and said, "Oh, hey, we'll um, we want to take you to the French Laundry because we've gone there like five times for research, and we'll all go." Mm-hmm. So, I I, and then I also had to go in to do a session. So I told my wife that, "Oh, well, they're going to have me in while I'm there during the day, and we're going to see if you know I'm going to audition for some roles and stuff, yeah, yeah. and then." Brad Bird wants to go to the French. So we go to the French Laundry, and she's thinking, these guys are really nice. They just <laughs> auditioned this guy, and now they're taking him to the French right. Laundry. And then she thought, because at dinner we were talking about, because I've been recommending as many people as I can mm-hmm. for other parts in this movie. Yeah. And um, uh, <clears throat> so we're talking about other people that would be good, because my wife thought that I was reading for one of the chefs. So we were talking about all the chefs at dinner, and I was like, well, Will Arnett will be great mm-hmm. as this one guy, and and uh, Eddie Pepitone would be awesome. Like, I keep talking up, like, Eddie Pepitone yeah. and, and John Glazer mm-hmm. and Blaine, and, and I got um, Brian apart, which was really exciting. Yeah, it was yeah. going to be great. Um, but then she thought, oh, well, they're, they're trying to – they're taking him to dinner so they can break it to him that he's not going to get the part. Jesus. Which, again, she's like, these are the nicest guys in the world. <laughs> right, right. They're taking him to this ridiculous dinner. And then uh, the next week is when the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And we went and saw Cars, and then we were watching the trailer, and she freaked out. It was, that was one of the most fun moments of my life. Yeah. Wow. Was she angry that you kept it? Like, well, you've been doing this for nine months? She. I, I think the only reason that she was angry was she has a – She's really into true crime, and she used to be a work as a private investigator. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she has a, a website called True Crime Diary. Wait a minute, are really, you married to Veronica Mars? I'm married to Veronica <laughs> Mars. Yes, oh I am. my god, um, what a cutie! <laughs> as if nerds couldn't be <laughs> as if, more yeah, jealous exactly. of you. Um, so I, I think she was angry that why didn't I put? I had so many clues in front of me, but also she's such a, <laughs> she's kind of a relentlessly positive person, mm-hmm. which is very annoying for me. But she was trying to just be very positive about what looked to her like a bad situation. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. was like, "Well, these guys are really nice, <laughs> and I'll be really positive to them." And you know, right. it, I mean, the the getting back to something that I said earlier, and then and then uh, rushed right beyond so that I could talk about myself. <laughs> Is the level of detail? The, 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 they have rooms full of just photographs of 
food and restaurants and every aspect of the restaurant, like mm-hmm. the way a stove is connected to the wall and why a stove is placed next to this mm-hmm. rack of implements because it's, it, you know, they want everything to be authentic and right. then have the comedy come out of that. Yeah, yeah. An example was um, in the movie Monsters Incorporated, the uh, um, all the design of the monsters world, you know, because their whole thing is they collect the screams of children right. from nightmares to power their world. So all the design is like that 50s space age bachelor pad. It's like that yeah. right like just post-World War II yeah. modern. You know, like right. if you had a lot of money in 1947 and you, and you could get the top designers, it, you would have gotten that. Right. And and um, John Lasseter was saying, well, what we figured out was because of post-World War II, that was the baby boom. And that was when there was this huge explosion of kids being born. Mm-hmm. And that's when this world was making their most money. Right. Because it's been around forever. But their most flush time right. was post World War Two, mm-hmm. so they've kind of kept the design. Then that's when they had oh, their cool. most, right. ex, you know, discretionary cash. <laughs> like that, le- like to sit there and think through yeah, every yeah. single aspect of this. <laughs> right, that's amazing. Is, a, is just fantastic. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, how much actual work is it? Uh, you said it's like eight to ten sessions, but what does that mean? Does that mean a day long thing or? Uh, no. Well, it's like four to five hours mm-hmm. because then your voice just gives out mm-hmm. you, you can't i mean that, that's that's not true my voice gives out i'm yeah. sure that if it was someone like a a billy west right. or a frank welker or a tom kenny they could go a lot longer right, right. but i get like four or five hours you know because they want i'm not i'm the, only, the other thing is is i'm not doing a voice mm-hmm. it's just my voice right right so you know when my voice goes, my voice goes. I bet if I was doing a voice, it would go even quicker. Like mm-hmm. when I do um, uh, uh, Dementor on Kim Possible, mm-hmm. those have to be short sessions because mm-hmm. it just goes. Because I'm screaming at the top can of you, my lungs. Can you give us a little Dementor? Pat? Can I give us a little Dementor? You know what? It to me, for it, it's one forty-five now. That's very early for me. <laughs> okay, my voice is so wiped out. Passing on Dementor. Sorry. Well, I mean, basically. Hang on, let me see if I can do. Because well, Dementor, it's just it's it's just the the German painter guy that yeah, I did from yeah, a bit. Yeah. when they brought me in. They're like, we like that painter guy. Can you just do that? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but it's the whole Vincent Price principle of you just sort of talk really low, and I guess that you think that you can escape, <laughs> right. and you stress the wrong words. You mm-hmm. just you get loud on words that don't need to need to be loud. Yeah, which is what they love. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. That's that's such easy comedy. It's just you stress the wrong words. And it's yeah, funny. yeah, yeah, yeah. So has uh, I mean you? Yeah, it's like impossible. You've done a lot of voiceover. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is this becoming like a real? Are, are you the next Billy West? No. Billy West is the next Billy West. Yeah. Um, it's fun. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't really – I have zero formal tr- training in it, and there's stuff that I'm sure that I don't know how to do very well, but, you know, I'm when, – when need be, I can do accents and stuff. Like when I was mm-hmm. doing Amazing Screw on Head, I'm the butler and I'm a bunch of demons, and they wanted to be, me to be that mummy – but he had like a he was like from Cairo, so it was sort of an an Egyptian 
mm-hmm. accent, but he has this, but he uses a lot of jazz slang. And, and, and I kept trying to do it, but because I was doing the battle and then also doing this weird demon, it was just too much for my, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. brain to, to then make the third switch. So, right. and I said, if you brought me in tomorrow and I was just doing the mummy and I had some time, I could work up a voice, but if we're, cause they had no money to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I just, I can't, I'm so sorry. So someone else did it. How did that? Let's uh, talk about that for a second because that was a really. I, I saw it on the Sci-Fi uh, Channel website, and it's, it's a really cool, unique yeah. thing. Um, how'd that come about? It came about because the guy um, Brian Fuller, he did Wonder Falls and Dead Like Me, mm-hmm. loved that comic, and it was just a single issue, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was a, a comic that. You could tell that Mike Mignola just did it because he had a weird itch in his head. Mm-hmm. Like, I have this idea. There's no way I can turn it into a full series, but I bet for one comic it would be really funny. Yeah. And I think he did it just to, you know, blow out his pipes. There's mm-hmm. no ads in it. There's, it. She just put it out, like, yeah. for for shits and giggles. And it's so good because of that. Yeah. Because he's just trying to amuse himself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's why I like um, The Last Christmas so much, because... It's just stuff that's in their head that they yeah. have to write. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that made it great. And then Brian Fuller, Fuller saw a way to expand the universe. And if you read the comic, there are hints as to how you could make the universe bigger and bigger. People reference stuff that happened before or mm-hmm. after. Uh, and, and Brian ran with it. And then had, he asked me to be a voice. Um, and I was really excited because I love that. That, like, that Reno... Nine one one, um, uh, Ratatouille, Magnolia, like there, there. Every now and then, stuff comes along that you are such a huge fan mm-hmm. of, and when you get asked to do it, yeah, you know, it's it's a big big deal. Do you know the Do you know the status of that right now? I, I, they're they're taking kind of a poll online. Yeah, right? they did a they did a poll online, and I don't I don't even want to look at it. I um, I've had a few projects live and die by people voting online or yeah. voting in, in um, focus groups. Right. And I, I can't t- deal with it anymore. It, it, I, I let something I, – I followed something very closely while it was being voted on, and then it didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And it was so – it really fucked me up for like a month. And then I was like, well, I let that cause me not to do any new work for a month. Mm-hmm. So my philosophy now – and again, it's a, it's a neophyte philosophy, but – um, I, my job is to just make things. It's not my job to track what people right. think of them, how they feel about it. I mean, I'll take, I'll certainly take creative and artistic notes, but if I spend all that emotional and creative energy yeah. just waiting to see what someone thinks, then that's time taken away from doing something else. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Or doing more stuff. It does seem like uh, in. In this business, you gotta uh, you you have to just be working on as many things as you can possibly be working on, and with the hope that one or two, yeah, get or or maybe through. not as many, maybe not a lot of things, but like a few things that you really really care about, and mm-hmm. or you just put all your energy into one. Like you know, Pixar is all about one thing at right. a time, and everyone puts all their energy into this one project. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas all these other, because I do a lot of, I've done like. Last Sunday, I did my 21st table session on a movie where, you know, sitting around punching it up. And half of those have been animated movies. And it's just this very quickly, yeah, we kind of have an idea. Let's sort of get people together and kind of hash it out. And maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, no one's 
no one's particularly personally excited about the idea. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, it's sort of a kid gets shrunk and he's an ant and yeah, I, I can kind of work because sure, you know, like th- that's about the level of enthusiasm they yeah. have for the project. Right. Uh, man. Yeah, that's, uh, do, do you see yourself uh, with maybe finding more success in other places moving away from that? Because that, does that, it's, every time you talk about that stuff, it sounds like it kind of takes a little bit of your soul. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's one thing to sit there and piss and moan about how demoralizing that is to sit in that room with all those talented people and you're punching up this this just stillborn thing that's mm-hmm. never going to be good. And um, But those are all guys that are, you know, besides that one day a month, every other day of the week they're busting their asses, writing scripts and trying to get them sold, and they don't yeah. get sold. Yeah. So someone's like, well, you know, and, or they've got a script that's not going anywhere. Well, maybe uh, it's so stupid where you think, Maybe if I'm really impressive and funny in this room, they'll go, yeah. what stuff has he written? Mm-hmm. But it never happens that way. Right. But there's like so many um, – I don't get it. It's like it's like people that have – it's these scripts written by someone who's only written one script and will probably only ever write one script. Yeah. They wrote a really bad script. So what they need to do is let's gather up guys who have each written – 15 scripts a piece, all of which are great because they'll make this horrible, horrible thing mm-hmm. really funny. Yeah. It, this, it, it just reminds me of when I would I would do stand-up back on the East Coast, especially places like the Comedy Factory Outlet and and places like that where they would have me MC. Mm-hmm. And I could MC, but I've been MCing for two years and I had a lot of material and I would MC for people that were featuring that were so bad. They were like really terrible and they, and they had the same half hour for two years and yeah. And I would go, hey, could I maybe start featuring? And the club owner would go, well, the feature that we have, he's awful, and he can't go up first because he cannot win a crowd over. Right. So I was like, oh, so you're punishing him by giving him an easier spot and more money yeah. because he has less. Right. No, I, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah. But now that's come full circle where it's like, let's give this guy a million dollars to walk away from the script because he can't write. Yeah. Let's yeah. give each of these guys a couple grand to sit around and uh, make this thing really worth the million dollars we paid for it. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, maybe <laughs> this is something I always wonder uh, in my work, too, because I, I work with, with scripts as yeah. a reader. Um, maybe you have a better understanding of it than I do. Um, where I'll do those tell you right scripts- now, I have, I have no understanding of what's happening. That's all why right. I'm so freaking confused, but I'll try to answer your question. But okay. me and all the other guys in the room are like, what the fuck is happening yeah. right now? Well, it, just, it seems like the, the scripts that get... Uh, purchased are not being purchased on quality. They're being purchased on maybe some vague notion that this idea could be a good movie. Right. Uh, right. Or, but, or is it a relationship? Is it a, is it a good agent doing their job really well? Or what, what, what's happening? Yes. It's probably all of those things. It's probably this core idea. There's something there. This guy didn't develop it at all. Yeah. So let's bring in these guys that can really flesh out really weird ideas that we don't get mm-hmm. and they'll make this simple I just I did a table punch up I was in a room and it was it's a movie that's out right now it's so bad it's an animated movie that's out right now that's so one of the worst things I've ever seen and in the room it was like me and uh, Judd Apatow and Daniel Waters and um, these uh, like two guys from The Simpsons 
like these guys, and all of whom have written really good scripts. Mm-hmm. That I mean, like it's not like Judd's going begging. He right. w- writes and gets to make good movies, but Jesus Christ, he's for, for the for the for the movie he has out and the movie that's going to be coming out. He probably has ten other scripts in a drawer somewhere yeah. that are ten times better than the movie we're slaving over mm-hmm. right now. Just go shoot one of those. Right. I oh man. Uh, I just saw <clears throat> Little Miss Sunshine last night. Did, have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet. I hear it's great. Really great. Yeah. And it, it just struck me as the kind of thing that uh, Hollywood wouldn't want to make this. And if they made it, they would have made these choices that would have turned it into every other shitty comedy. Oh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, but now that it's out, I mean, the thing was sold out all weekend. Like I was like yep. barely got in to see it. And uh, Here, it's you, crazy. You'll like this story. Last time I was in San Francisco, I always have dinner with them. Um, with Dan Klaus, because I'm really good friends with him, and mm-hmm. he's just a fascinating guy to talk to because now, you know, he's going through the Hollywood machine because his Hollywood has realized, or a, part, a section of Hollywood's realized mm-hmm. that, oh, we can turn this guy's books into movies. Right. And they're usually pretty good. So <clears throat> the what he went through to get Ghost World made was, I can't believe he didn't, because is, he's, he's a very gloomy soul right. very sensitive soul that's why his writing is so good i can't right. believe he didn't kill himself because the <laughs> the studio was like um the studio said you know who we really want for these two lead roles these two 19 year old girls drew barrymore and jennifer love hewitt <laughs> and he and terry wagoff were like but they're not they're not 19 and they're not they're not good <laughs> at all they're not good and, they, and then she was like just have them come in and do an audition so they did an audition, which which Dan said was the most clearly they did it as a favor for their agents or something, mm-hmm. and the most half-assed. They weren't mean, mm-hmm. but it was clear they just weren't into doing this movie. They weren't excited about it. They didn't yeah. care about the source material, and it was just this re. You know, they just did one read, and then Terry and Dan were like, "Maybe you can like, no, that's it, that's it, I'm done." And then the studio's like, "That was great. <laughs> we should like." It didn't matter. They just wanted them so bad, yeah, and yeah. then um, <clears throat> Terry and Dan kept. Looking, kept looking, kept looking for people, and um, got you know found Scarlett and um, Thora, and you know put their auditions on tape, and their auditions were amazing, and um, they're like this, this is who we want, mm-hmm. and uh, the the studio, one of the studio guys was like, well, what what do they bring to the movie though? And then they were like, amazing performances, <laughs> which we have on tape. They can do it. They're right. they're perfect. Yeah. And then even then, even after they got cast, they had to fight to get Steve Buscemi. They, they didn't want Steve. They wanted a really hot guy. Right. Because – and then the other guy – what was his name? Um, there was a younger guy, the guy that worked at the convenience store. I cannot remember his name. Pat Healy? No, 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 not – no, no. He was the guy. He worked mm-hmm. at the convenience store, and he kind of had a thing with Scarlett or – I don't know. Yeah, I forgot. But at the end, they wanted it there to be a double wedding where they both get married. <laughs> she gets married to the weird blues guy and, like, brings him out of his funk, and she gets married, and it's a nice double wedding and a dance <laughs> with a dance thing. I'm not kidding. Right. That's what they wanted at the end. Ugh. Yeah! <laughs> That's just uh, ten kinds of wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, I remember I was... I, Meryl Marco said something really funny where, where she said... Uh, you know, they never shoot the first draft. They always – you write a first draft and they just fucking throw it out and, mm-hmm. and start from scratch. So she said, why not just hire homeless people to write first drafts of movies? <laughs> Give them some money. They get back on the – you're going to throw it away anyway. Right, right. That's a great way to get society going again. Just go, <laughs> hey, listen, we need a, a vehicle for 
David Schwimmer. You know, yeah, I got I got baloney shoes. Great. <laughs> we'll just get it in by next week. <laughs> like just yeah. here's here's eighty thousand dollars. Isn't Rob Schneider doing baloney shoes over at Columbia? Oh yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Can we bleep that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well oh, we're gonna cut man. that. Man, you do not want to step on those toes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Those uh <laughs> Hey, for the longest time, um American Splendor had Rob Schneider attached to it. Really? Back in the late uh in the early nineties. It had um he had uh and, and they were and Picar was excited. His agent they were like, He's really He's pretty hot. He's about to be big, and they, he was going to play Harvey Picard. Well, do people do – I mean, obviously, the executives have their jobs at stake, and they know that a, a big star is insurance for them and for the studio. Sure. So we understand that on some level. But then it, it, it's, it's tough when other people get seduced by that same notion of like, hey, if this does really well, a lot of stuff's going to open up. Yeah, and- a, a big star is insurance, but if you – I'm amazed that like – even like – Stupid old ladies who play baccarat in Vegas. You, you just chase the ace. You look at the board and go, "When was the last time the ace played?" Okay, well, it must be coming up again. Yeah. So why can't a studio go? Well, all of the big, massive money makers have been these little films that someone right. took a risk on. Right. And like you would, you would think they would just look back on the charts. Yeah. The way um, some housewife chases the ace at baccarat <laughs> and goes, "Oh, we'll just do that. We'll, yeah. we'll find a really great script." And you could also we'll, make you know you could make ten movies uh, that way for the price of one movie with with Sandler in it. So uh, it I, seems like financially that would be a better way to to do it. One of them's going to hit, right? The worst movie I've ever seen, worst movie I ever saw, and this is just my opinion. And other people have worse, I'm sure, far worse movies. But this is based on a very very specific personal experience. Worst movie I ever saw was Wild Wild West. To me, that's the worst <laughs> movie ever made. Because I was working at the MTV Movie Awards that year. I was one of the writers. I'm sorry, one of the producers. <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> there's no producer's guild. So they're, um, they're, they, they're going to do the song, The Wild Wild West, to promote the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's Will Smith. He had a guest list of 300 people. We had to find 300 seats for his posse. That's Jesus. his friends. He hangs out with 300 people a day. <laughs> Him, his dancers, everything. Just these right. fucking idiots. <clears throat> they build this massive Wild Wild West set. It's mm-hmm. like a giant saloon, multi-leveled saloon. He comes for the dance number, and they rehearse it all week. He comes riding in on a horse, gets off. They have a horse handle and all this you know, animal stuff. Um, he gets on stage. There's a big dance. There's this huge ball, bar brawl with a fight. All during the week, his people are there every day. His, by his people, I mean his 300 hanger-ons. They're stealing stuff. They're, like, grabbing these big, you know, those, like, at, at the craft service, there's, like, a big thing of, like, you know, licorice or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cliff bars, grabbing shit, running out to the cars, screaming at PAs, kids running around everywhere, knocking things over. At one point, I was backstage, and they had this cordoned-off area for Will, and he's back there in his area just sitting in a, on a couch in this area, like, twice the size of this room, mm-hmm. alone, totally alone, just sitting there, just staring at the ground, like, so totally, because he has to hang out with 300 <laughs> people every day. He can't just go, I'm just going to get a, a nice book, sit down, have a cup of coffee in a <laughs> right. little restaurant somewhere, and just, you know, read and just be in my head. Yeah. And so for, for that moment, I actually felt kind of bad for him, because he just looked like, that. his, his life is a nightmare. He's not mm-hmm. enjoying a second of this. They do the whole this massive dance number the night of the show. The whole cost of the 
production, all the, the rehearsal, the people, was $4 million for one Jesus. shitty performance of a shitty rap song on the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah. And it was to support this movie that I remember I, I went and saw it the day that it came out. Um, no, actually, no, that's not true. I, I went to see the South Park movie, and I got there early, so I just snuck into the – I watched the first 20 minutes of The Wild Wild West. Mm-hmm. The theater is half full. It's all full of, like, like San Fernando Valley skate rats, like 13 or 14. And even they are, as the movie is rattling off its jokes, they're just going, God, <laughs> man. Like, they aren't even laughing yeah. for this horrible movie. And I just, I, I've just never gotten over $4 million to do one thing yeah. to help raise awareness of this movie. They could have made eight little <laughs> Memorable movies yeah. for that four million. Yeah. Four million for a <laughs> shitty, perform a lip synced rap song yeah. on MTV. Four million dollars. All right, that's amazing. That who 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 paid that? Did MTV pay for that, or or was the studio coming in and saying, "Well, we're going to pay for this because this is obviously ridiculous." I maybe you don't. Know, I don't. Maybe, maybe it was the studio. I don't know. It was somebody. Yeah. I can't. You know, it just it just blows me away the amount of. Just that. So yeah. fuck. Even, even before they even got to spending money on the movie, four. Let's set aside four million dollars yeah. so he can lip sync a shitty, not even a real rap song. By the way, he's yeah. just he just wrote lyrics over a, a, a song that exists. He's <laughs> right. just going to basically do karaoke, right? You know, if he makes why doesn't fucking you know Weird Al, who actually can write, <laughs> compared to Will Smith, Weird Al is fucking Jacques Brel, <laughs> lyrics wise. Yeah. Uh... There were some. There were. There were a lot of. He put a lot of words in that, that Stevie Wonder song, though. That, that is there. true. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. there were probably three or four verses of. Once upon a time in the West, <laughs> man, man lost a damn mind in the West. Love less. Oh. Now that I, think, I had okay, to hear that eight hundred oh, times that week, just re- they would just play that track. Did Cool Mo D come out at some point uh, in that in that grand performance? Because Cool Mo, I don't know. He did a he did another rap song called. Wild Wild West, like in the late eighties. Oh. <laughs> like, Maybe Cool Moji came out and blew his head off. You know what I mean? Like he just came out and shot and himself. No one noticed. Oh. That's so sad. I go to work. <laughs> Be like, it's like, like a doctor. <laughs> it's like in uh, how people think that someone's hanging themselves in the background of uh, Wizard of Oz. But- <laughs> <laughs> you can see Cool Moji blowing his head off in this performance. <laughs> Kumo D, who could actually write, like, he could write amazing yeah, lyrics and actually was, yeah. worked really hard on his lyrics. Yeah. So that, like, the line, once upon a time in the West, a madman <laughs> lost his damn mind. When you put something like quite or damn, <laughs> it means that you couldn't, like, you have a syllable that's just kind of hanging right. there. You need to fill it with something. Right. You know, so that's just, like, that's just shitty rhyming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's also funny because... Uh, I, in a weird way, um, "Screw on Head" is kind of a, a, a million times cooler take on what Wild Wild West was kind of trying to do, which exactly. is like cool, like uh, future gadgetry in the mid nineteenth century, right? Um, but but they bring in the whole weird dark sorcery thing, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like. But they didn't have combustible <laughs> engines when uh, Grant was uh, right. all right. Fine, uh, I call it the Air Gordon. <laughs> that's you really it really stuck with you though so they must have they should put on a loop just for they should lock will smith in jail in a cell (laughs) and then on a loop is the scene where 
he basically his character says that slavery was actually pretty cool <laughs> and that slavery wasn't that bad. <laughs> And he just have to watch that on a loop over and over again. That'd be great. I'm really glad I didn't see that movie now. I was glad at the time, and now you've wow. brought it all back to me how glad wow. I was. Um, let's talk about good movies, though, like uh, or potentially good movies, I assume, uh, like Balls of Fury. You're working on that mm. right now, too, right? Or it's done shooting? Yeah, I did <clears throat> I did one scene in that. I don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, that is another example of... They wrote something that totally, totally amuses them. Mm-hmm. It, it's just there for their. This is Lennon and Grant. Lennon and Grant, like, yeah. oh, it's because it was, it was, and it was this thing of like, well, they're making these movies like Dodgeball, where you, you take a weird sport and yeah. you, you elevate it to a weird thing, and they're like, well, that cracks us up. Mm-hmm. Although I think they wrote Balls of Fury years and years and years ago. I think that's been floating around for a while. And mm-hmm. again, it was the thing they just wrote is. I think just to get an example out there is like, yeah. hee, hee, hee. And then a studio, you know, after all their other stuff, they're like, hey, let's, what else do you guys have? Yeah, like, hey, yeah. we'll shoot this. Yeah. I mean, now what's really great is it's the whole one for me, one for them principle mm-hmm. of you do something that makes a lot of money that maybe you're not all that fired up about, but, mm-hmm. you know, you, you make it as funny as you can. And that way the studio is like, oh, well, we'll, what else do you guys have? Right, you know, right. That's, that's how you do it. Yeah. I mean, fucking Charlie Kaufman wrote on Ned and Stacy for, you know, two years to, so that people <laughs> right. go, okay, he's written on sitcoms, you can read his other, you know, because yeah. the stuff was so weird, so. But yeah, I mean, the, the scene that I shot, I thought was, the people in the scene were really funny. It's, it's the guy from, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he was in um, Putnam County Spelling Bee, and he was he was just really, he's really odd, because... He's this guy that is just really natural in front of the camera. And, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I think a lot of, especially now, there's a, yet another generation of comedic actors coming up that it's all about be, looking really cool. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, no, you should look like a fucking jackass. Aren't you a comedian? Yeah, you know? Yeah. So he was funny that way. That's cool. So, yeah, so this is, <clears throat> in case people don't know, this is a movie about ping pong. It's about a guy who's a, it's really convoluted. It's about a guy who's a, he was a ping pong champion, and then something went wrong, and then he gets recruited by the CIA to infiltrate. It's like Enter the Dragon with ping pong, and mm. Christopher Walken plays this effeminate, um, uh, like Chinese crime lord, except that he's very openly not Chinese, <laughs> but he's like a guy that just really digs the way that like Chinese crime lords dress. So he <laughs> yeah. kind of went over there to get into that. So mm. like everyone in the it's it's kind of cool because everyone in the movie is. You know, whereas in a lot of comedies, you know, at least your main character is kind of stable and good. Everyone in this movie is kind of fucked up and wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone's just a little like their motivations are just wrong. Like you just want to yeah. go, "That's stupid. Why are you so focused on that?" <laughs> right. Which right. I kind of like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's it's just it's totally them. And Ben's directing it, and you know, Tom plays a uh, he plays a weird like German champion, and it's just them. No one's bothering them. They're just letting them mm-hmm. do whatever they want. So it's got probably a lot of the same feel as uh, Reno 911 comedically. Yeah, although they said something really interesting to me. Um, we were we were hanging out in San Diego, and they said uh, <clears throat> they had a lot of fun doing Balls of Fury. But now, because the, they said the Reno Miami movie was so much fun, like it was never boring or it never felt like work for them. It mm-hmm. was just because they had the movie as mapped out as they wanted to, but then every scene that we did – um, it was all, oh, oh, here, you know what we should do? And we would just do things on the spot. That's cool. Um, there's a thing that Paul Rudd does in the movie 
that I won't reveal. But he came up with it on the spot, like as we were standing there about to shoot the scene. He was like, "Oh, you know what we should do," and it was so fucking funny, and it changed everything. It was really good. So, you know, so like that you, kind of thing. You're where, in Reno 911 Miami, also. <clears throat> yeah, a tiny cool thing. But I mean, watching watching a movie like that get made—that's the thing that there's a movie that Brian Posehn and I wrote, sold to Miramax. It got we got it back. We want to restructure it now and do it like a Christopher Guest movie, like the Reno movie, because cool. working on those movies was so much more fun. And same with the with the Borat movie, although the Borat movie was this whole other level of like, you know, we're going to prepare you as much as we can, mm-hmm. and then we're going to send you out into these situations and hope that things, you right, know. Right. <clears throat> there was no, nothing more nerve-wracking than spending the mornings looking at all the location scout footage of, you know, we want to go to a gun store, and then we would have to watch five different guys being interviewed and go, that's the guy that's probably going to actually snap and try to kill him. So we need the guy that's just not <laughs> as crazy as him. Right. But but then there's the other guy. The, the other inspector was that guy is so zen and friendly and cool that he's going to let it all roll off his back, and that's not fun. Yeah. So yeah. we need to we need to find yeah. the pissed off, but not I'm going to stab yeah. you. Yeah, so it was fascinating. What, what was your involvement in that? I mean, that's <clears throat> I think that to me is the most antip- anticipated movie of yeah. the year. It's my involvement was you know I was um, uh, he had read a lot of my stuff and I went in for a meeting and talked with him and we really got along and then this is Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen and um, so I went off you know on the road with him for a while. New York, D.C., West Virginia, and then in West Virginia there was a the, the production got delayed. Um, after the West Virginia thing, because all this craziness happened. Mm-hmm. So it was basically shut down for three months. And then when they got it going up again, it was... Um, I was involved in uh, the Comedians of Comedy and King of Queens. Mm-hmm. They had really started back up again, and I couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. So when they, And they, they're like, well, why don't you write stuff and submit it? And I, I did... I mean, I wrote some things, especially for the Midwest, when they're out, you know, at the... Um, going grocery shopping and he's mm-hmm. looking at all the different things you know a lot of that stuff i submitted but i just wasn't able to go back and travel all the way back to la with them like i wanted to yeah, yeah. so i don't get a writing credit on the movie although i i, I told him I, I called him the other day um because i mean I, I saw it like three months ago we, we watched it in an editing bay the day of the very first time they were going to show it down in costa mesa mm-hmm. and it was You've heard it's fucking ridiculous. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. It's so ridiculously funny. And <clears throat> he was like, he said there are three scenes that Fox really wants us to trim, and I knew what the scenes were mm-hmm. just from watching. It, I'm like, I know the scenes they want out, <laughs> and I, and I said you can't you can't let them do that. And he goes, no, no, we don't we don't want them to. So what we're doing is we're we're agreeing to this. Um, Oh, here, okay, here's a fucked up story. So they agreed to this screening in Costa Mesa because his whole thing is, okay, we're going to show it in Costa Mesa. It's in the suburbs. People don't, you know, because Fox was like, we want it in front of audiences that don't, you know, get the care. We just want to see it in front of a neutral audience. Mm-hmm. And he was like, great. So they show it to this crowd, and the crowd doesn't know what they're going to see. Borat's face comes up, and the crowd goes nuts. <laughs> they just, <sighs> and then, of course, the reactions were just, through, I mean, people were screaming. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. When you see it, you know what I mean. So then Fox was like, afterwards, they're looking at all these comic cards, just like, these are the, this is the best movie we've ever seen. And Fox said, well, yeah, it's just all your fans. <laughs> like, they were, they were really down about it. And yeah, yeah. 
she said, so fuck me for having the character be really popular and people right. have heard about it now and it's <laughs> it's out there. Like, right. shouldn't you be excited when you, you screen a new movie and when the people see the main character, they all cheer? Right. Like, no, we want it in front of people that don't care, <laughs> don't oh. – but now you know they're gonna let they're gonna let it be released the way it is. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna cut anything. Cool. So although they did shoot the ending that I saw, it didn't work only because it was it was merely funny mm-hmm. and it didn't live up to the the bar was set yeah. so high by the second act of that movie. So they I said you you really should think about a different ending. He was like yeah we are and they shot a totally different. Well I mean same principles but a different mm-hmm. ending. So I saw a different ending than the one that's in the, the movie now. Right. That's something that is so hard. I mean, you know about it from being, doing stand-up for years. But in a movie, uh, you have to – in a comedy, you have to – everything has to be consistently funny. But everyone – if it doesn't kill you in the last 15 minutes, yep. everyone comes out going, eh, it wasn't that great. It was some good stuff at the beginning. Yeah. And that's like a crazy thing to have to – because – because if it's Hard. not funny throughout, like it's also going to feel a little like, well, it took yeah. a long time to get going or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's tricky to tell a story and have that be able to pace it so that it's like, well, we're going to get him with this. I have a lot of problems when I'm writing scripts and I'm trying to like trying to relearn this. Mm-hmm. W- w- as a stand-up, I'm used to going up on stage a lot and working a bit around. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I just said on another, um, uh, it was another radio interview I was doing. I was talking about. A special thing. I was like, "What sucks about a special thing is they're not bad writers. Like, if, if these were just, you know, <laughs> typo heavy comedy fans going, right. uh, you know, his butt looks big and his shirt was stupid, that I could go, fuck it. I don't, you know, I don't care yeah. what they think. But they actually usually have pretty good points about your stand up, and you're like, yeah, that joke does need some work. So it, it will be good if you all were, if you all weren't good writers and weren't really deep comedy fans. But you, for the most part, even though sometimes you know it. it it gets a little personal, but mm-hmm. it's because you're very passionate. So, yeah. you know, we have I, we're, we're a lot of the like the CDR comedians are cursed with we have really smart fans. Yeah. So, you you want to save up the good stuff for CDR and do other rooms and really work on it. Yeah. But with a movie, you can't just go. I'll show it this week and let me know what doesn't work. We'll shoot another version. Come right. back next week. We'll right. do it again, and it'll, yeah. it'll get better and better. And I think a lot of comedians when they write, they have that. It's close enough. Especially now. Here's what's so crazy. I do all these punch-ups on cartoons. When you do an animated movie, you have to spend all of your energy on the script. Mm -hmm. The script has got to be locked. I mean, you have to lock it. You've got to go over it a million times. And these – some of these movies – they start the they start working on it and do the animatics and the script's not done. Right. And they're like, well, we'll just work, we'll get the script going as we do it. It's like, yeah. You can't go back. And now what they do <laughs> is they make half of the punch up is well, you go well. See this scene; it starts way too early. You have you don't need to see him walking up to the house. We mm-hmm. just cut to him in the well. No, that that costs us ten million dollars. <laughs> that that cityscape. We have to use it. Right. We have to right. just what we need you to do is we need you to think of funny. Lines that off-screen voices can be yelling at the yeah. over the action to make it funny, yeah. and you can't. I you can't do that. You can't like show Auschwitz footage and go. <laughs> I haven't seen this many ribs since Tony Rollins. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make it funny to put someone saying a disembodied voice saying you know rat manaka over something horrible happening. So frustrating, but um. Getting back to something I said earlier, I told I've never once like apparently you can manipulate your own IMDb. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, you submit. I guess you you, you send them something. Stuff, yeah, and then they. But go I and... told I told Sasha, I'm like the only time I'm gonna I'm gonna manipulate this. I'm gonna add that I was an uncredited writer on on uh, Borat. It goes go right ahead. You nice. should. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, that, I cannot wait to see that movie. Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, when people like you and, and Scott Ackerman, I think, just saw it, and like everybody who's seen it, but also people that you know, I, I trust their sense of humor, are like, it's the funniest goddamn movie. <laughs> it's the most I've ever laughed in a movie. Yeah. Flat out. I mean, there's, you know, it, it's a different kind of movie than stuff like you know a movie like Groundhog Day mm-hmm. or um, American Movie or mm-hmm. Animal House or you know these great great comedies. Right. But. As far as sitting there just laughing nonstop, yeah. that's the most. And it's it's not even close. I can't even compare it to anything else. Wow, Jesus. Yeah. Um, well, getting back to the regular, I mean, that's a comedy, but it's sort of this character. He's a juggernaut in a way. Like you're talking uh. about, like stuff like Groundhog Day. It, the, there's something about be, telling a story and then finding the humor in the structure of a story. Yeah. I think that's what's tricky. Have you wrestled with that? Because with stand-up, you, you tell stories on stage, but they don't have to connect all the time. You right. Can, you can save. You know that this this thing is the funniest thing, so I can just do that, do that at the end. But in a script, it's like, eh, it's got to be the funniest thing, and it has to be the know, culmination man. of all this uh. other stuff. Yeah, you really get bogged down with, like, unity, and you also can confuse action with activity a lot. Mm-hmm. I, cer- I certainly do. You know, where I've written, there was a, oh, I, I just remember, although that's true and untrue, I remember I had a, I had a script deal over at Paramount, and I would just, I would inject as much weird stuff as I could into this. You know, I had the basic story, but I wanted to do, the thing I like about comedies are just the little weird yeah. side characters that have, like, the one line that, mm-hmm. that suggests another movie. <laughs> yeah. So th- this movie was just all that. It was just studded with that. And the, the guy I was working with was like, yeah, that stuff is all funny, but if you don't make it fit the story, I, I'm telling you, I've, I've, done, I've made so many of these movies, they're just going to go through and just slice it all off. They yeah. will always, they'll always, always cut to story. Right. But then that shitty scary movie came out where it is nothing but a bunch of disconnected scenes yeah. and it made $400 billion <laughs> and then from that point on it's actually harder to get a movie through that it cleaves to story. Mm-hmm. The other the other script that I'd sold to New Line, um, that script Puberty, they kept wanting just just to have them have a a boner and just come all over everything. I was like, okay, but I, but it, it, it'll only get a laugh if I can set up why he's got it and put it. Yeah. J- just fucking cut to him with a boner and it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. Like they just wanted right. jokes. They just right. wanted, you know, and and like I think scary movie in about ten years are gonna look back. That movie really well, fucked up comedies for a few years. Yeah, and it's gonna it took it, it's gonna take other movies to get him back on the right track. Yeah, you yeah. know, hopefully Borat will be one of them. And yeah. um, although I think Borat is so in its own category that it won't right. even count. But I think Scary Movie did a lot of damage to film comedies. Uh, hopefully, um, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, I think that was a really mm-hmm. solid, you know, there was an actual story, there were actual characters, and, and right. there were still as many belly laughs as you would get in Scary Movie, but they all fit and were earned. Yeah. And yeah. It, t- it takes a little harder work to get that. Yeah. You know? I mean, as long as people uh, like Judd can, can keep making movies, so there'll be people... And, and then the, if, if they succeed, that kind yeah. of opens the door for people to go, hey, maybe it's not so bad to tell a good story and have it be funny instead yeah. of just gag, gag, gag or, you know, I don't, you know, just yeah. a story with no real oh, life to it. Man. Um, but let's, uh, we talk a lot about movies and that's fun. Uh, but let's talk about uh, stand up. What's, uh, 
what's going on with comedians of comedy right now? You guys are sort of going out to a few on a few dates. We're going out because at the at the very basis, I mean, beyond having it on TV or doing another movie or another DVD, it's really fun to do, and it's what I would rather be doing now than going out and doing club dates all the time. Mm-hmm. Doing like two or three of those tours a year, I I get to meet a lot more people. Mm-hmm. I get to work on a lot more stuff, and I'm with my friends, and you just. It, it's just more of a, it's more of an adventure that way. Yeah. You know, go out for seven or eight days, then do like five weeks in a row at clubs. Right. Um, <clears throat> so that's really fun. I mean, they pay for themselves now. I'm not going out of pocket anymore. And the last one, you know, now that we're trying to do like, um, my my dream for the series was in successive seasons to keep folding in younger comedians. You know, people like like Morgan Murphy or Aziz Ansari um, or other comedians that I think should have way more exposure than mm-hmm. they have right now. Yeah. You know, so have a nice combination of, you know, that that also still draw in clubs because mm-hmm. they have a presence. But they, for some reason, they don't have the exposure they deserve. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I wanted to do. But Comedy Central, <laughs> which... Uh, <laughs> Here's a very frustrating story about um, comedians of comedy and tourgasm. And tourgasm is what it is. And I, you know, I don't have any feelings about it either way. I know there's a lot of strong feelings about it. You know, there's I think there's room for everyone, um, obviously. But um, it did bother me that um, Brian and, and our our manager were at a table read at Comedy Central, and the head of Comedy Central came up and said, uh, "It's got to feel really good." Uh, Chicago Tribune, L.A. Times, uh, saying that Torgasm is a ripoff of a comedian's comedy. That's got to feel real good. And they're both kind of going, no, it doesn't because you didn't bring our show back. Yeah. So it doesn't feel good at all. You understand how that – you can't <laughs> sit there and gloat about that if you were the one that right. said, nah. Right. <laughs> you know. And again, I don't I don't compare and contrast. I do think that they're two different things. And yeah. and also, they didn't rip us off. It, it, the idea of having comedians touring on the road and filming it and stuff, that's Cross did it. Kings of Comedy did it. It's yeah. not it's not new, but it's a right. it's just a cool way to to showcase, you know, you and your friends yeah. and hopefully get yeah. something funny about it out of it. But, you know, <clears throat> to to sit there like that kind of gloating just is so disgusting. Yeah. On every level. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just that that people see the that you guys were on, you know, less than a year ago, and it was the same number of comics, and and that you know, you guys were sort of the, yeah, but the indie I mean, version. we were certainly inspired by other people, and right. I mean, it's 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 not a, that that wasn't a huge eureka moment to go, right. my God, what I'll if put, we put comics on the road? No with one's cameras. ever, you know, that's yeah, just, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's. Uh, <clears throat> You know, and they're taking a very different approach to it than you guys did. Yeah. So, uh, so what? You know, I. It, but, but you, you can't. Those are the people running Comedy Central. Right. You can't sit there and gloat about something that you weren't smart enough to pick up on. Right. And and our sh- and my here's my last thing I'll say. We, the Communist Comedy was the cheapest show they've ever done. It cost them no money. Yeah. But luckily now, what's happening is we're going to keep doing the tour because it's fun. Right. And now there's I don't want to talk about it, but there's other interest. From, there's very very strong interest from other people, oh, and cool. we may have another way to approach it. So cool, great. That 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 I think is a way that even stuff like Kings of Comedy and Torgasm didn't approach it. That'll make it really fresh and new again. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess you can't say anything, but I was going to ask if there was <clears throat> a way to do another 
movie with Netflix, uh, sort of a follow. Well, I mean, there's a way to do a movie about anything now. Yeah. With with you know with, with the P150 cameras and all these right. really amazing uh, broadcast quality handheld digital stuff. There's no reason not to do anything. Yeah. Except for unless you're like me and you're super disorganized and don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're doing. Yes, that can get in your way, but there's no reason not to just make your own stuff. And I I would love it if um. I think the next step after Comedians Comedy and Torgasm is a, a bunch of, like, four or five really, really funny comedians. Um, like, imagine 12 years ago, if, imagine, like, um, um, like, instead of, here, here's what, ugh, I'm trying to articulate this. Instead of waiting to be, to go on Jimmy Kimmel or Conan or The Tonight Show, Four comedians who make their own break, who actually make their own movie and go, this is our first time ever on film. Mm -hmm. We're deciding to put ourselves on film yeah. and, and and get to see them. Yeah. And they all turn out to, you know, later on to be very successful comedians. You get to see them yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah. That's the next thing that has to happen. Yeah. yeah. So are you taking cameras on this uh, leg or? Um, we're talking about that. We might. We're, we're getting all the, the – right now – the 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 frustrating thing about community comedy too is that because of the film and because of the TV series, especially like Zach and Maria, their careers have really been helped. Not just because of the show, right. but because of a lot of things. I mean, they're they're super <laughs> talented they're awesome. people. <laughs> they're fucking awesome, you know. But you know that was one thing that helped them. So mm -hmm. you know they're constantly being involved in movies, and Maria is you know doing huge theater tours in Australia and the UK. She's right. really big over there. So <clears throat> it's hard to get the four principles back together again. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Brian, of course, is so busy with movies and stuff. So I'm very happy about that. But I have to kind of bite the bullet and find a new three people to go out with me. Mm -hmm. It's sad because the four of us, I thought that the chemistry was so perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, I, not only did we have – it was halfway like we had good chemistry. And the other part that was great was – there were things we didn't have any chemistry about, and that was really funny to see. Right, right. You know, when Brian and I would be talking about comics and Maria would just be staring at us or, you know, Zach would be trying to put together some weird thing he wanted to do that night. By it just, yeah, yeah. That was always great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean and, – and well, here's another thing. You, you <laughs> must have tons of footage from the those first two yeah. tours that didn't yeah. make it. Have you ever thought about – doing something like a outtake I would love it if, if if Comedy Central would put together a DVD set to release and we could put yeah. all those extras out yeah. you know but right now it's just in limbo mm -hmm. because they're like we're not going to renew the show but you know we have it yeah like, we'll, we'll fucking put it out yeah. yeah it got good ratings and it did I'm not I'm just saying that objectively I'm not being subjective it did get good ratings yeah so I don't know w the was there ever was. any talk of like well if Tourgasm did well maybe they, they would bring it back or have you not heard anything like that no i didn't know and, and, and quite frankly i didn't ask because I, I i just i don't want to go anywhere with fucking hat in hand like, yeah yeah I, I work really hard on my stuff and it's it's there i'll certainly pitch it but i'm not going to go please give us another chance yeah, yeah. You know, i mean that's just i think that's really silly and especially just it it puts you in a weird position it puts you in this you know tell us what you want us to do yeah right instead of just getting to do the show that you want to do <clears throat> yeah uh, I know that sounds really that sounded really whiny and petulant, but <laughs> fuck, man. No, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, it, it's it's 
at, at a very basic level, it's a rejection and you don't like if, if a girl dumps you, you want to be the guy chasing after her for the next two months. When you get done fucking this new guy <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you're like, if you're going to hook up with some other guy after him, but it's not really happening, I'll just be there in the middle if you just want to, you know, like have me drive you around or do stuff for you. <laughs> I get, even if you just let me watch, it'd be real cool. <laughs> I don't yeah. mind. Yeah, <laughs> that that makes you look like a real hot commodity, <laughs> right. like that. People you know, love that desperation. Yeah. It's really attractive. Yeah, um, it's a little lesson for you younger folks out there. Uh, <laughs> nothing more attractive than desperation. Oh man. Um, so what else? How do you feel about because because you've been doing so many other things? Uh, how, how, what's the state of your actual stand up right now? How do you feel about it? Um. I'm feeling a little better. These last few months, I was feeling really bad because I, you know, I I, I want to. I'm recording a new CD in November, oh, cool. and I just scrapped everything and want I, I want to write all new stuff. So, it you know, I have a very fragile ego. So when you're going up at, at CDR and there's all these other comedians just killing, and you're just trying out new stuff, you don't quite know if it works, and mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of times they're trying out new stuff that really works. It you just sometimes you're on a a real hot streak writing, and sometimes you're just not, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it, mm-hmm. and it can be really frustrating. Yeah. Um, do you think you're getting married? Is that in your head at all? Like, oh, I'm happy. I, I feel like you've said that before. Like, uh, now I'm happy, and I don't have anything to say. Yeah, well, there's you get – contentment can be really terrifying because then you go, oh, well, then does that mean I'm not going to worry about A, B, C, and D, where I got all this material from, or right. do I need to worry about something else? or? Right. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to write comedy now about, or try to get comedy out of the fact that there's a lot of stuff for me that's settled. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a lot of also just comedians have such a fear of getting old. They're just so no one will ever admit it, but there's so many comedians I know that are in their 40s that in they just act like they're 22 forever. Like they'll still bitch about, especially like guys that are multimillionaires, but they'll bitch about. Rent and oh, this fucking <laughs> thing and what the f- you're fucking wealthy. Just yeah. talk about different stuff because no one's buying it anymore. Like, yeah. but I'm trying to like. I think the 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 one guy so far that's really just embraced the fact that he's married and has kids and is still so edgy and relevant is Louis C.K. It was such a revelation for me to watch him do stuff about my wife and my kids, and it was the freshest stuff I've ever seen. It was a completely original take that I had never seen before. Ever right. about that stuff, yeah. and it just blew me away. Yeah, you know. So, is your wife going to start to pop up in your in your act? Well, she kind of has already. I mean, she was in the one I, hour I, special yeah, about living together the, and stuff like that. Is but, that the sword, by the way? Oh yeah, that's the sword. <laughs> this is, they they gave the that sword. to me at my bachelor party. That's matrimonious, my um, <laughs> marriage sword. They um, we were at uh, Lowry's and Eddie Pepitone came in in a cape and helmet and presented it. He had a shield. It was beautiful. I almost started crying. Uh, I was so happy. That is. It looks like quite the sword. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, but also I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm. I've gone back to the stage now of I'm going on stage every single night, mm-hmm. or as many nights as I can, just mm-hmm. just mindlessly going on stage and talking and seeing what comes out. Cool. But also the other thing is. Yes, there's that. That was always my my process. It was never my process to sit and write. So what I was thinking this week was, I thought this the other day, uh, maybe what I need to do is totally have a different approach to doing my stand-up by sitting and writing and seeing what happens that way. Hmm. Because I've never done that before. Maybe I'll get something new out of it. Force myself to approach it differently, Right. if that makes any sense. 
yeah, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense just to see if you get to it. If, you, if you're obviously you've changed a lot since you started out as a yeah, comic. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm always fascinated by um, the different types of comics and and how each person approaches it and and mm-hmm. how they get to their actor you know even just in terms of like like maria <laughs> like really rehearsing and yeah like yeah getting it down uh to like someone like jimmy pardo who really just goes up and talks to people and is like so funny in the moment God, uh, he's so great i people like um I, I can't believe jimmy pardo doesn't have a talk show <laughs> while he's not hosting a yeah. talk show he's so amazing yeah, yeah he basically he is – I love how his whole act is – the basis is that he's just walked on stage and the audience is just bothering him. Like he, <laughs> he always sounds like he was about to start talking about something else, but he's too busy yelling at the right. audience. About stuff. Right. It's so hilarious. Yeah. yeah. God. Um, yeah. He, that's, that's the <clears> – I mean I, I feel like uh, when, when Conan moves to 1130 in 2009 – Give the show to Jimmy. Yeah. It's uh, – uh, for the for the two hundred people listening to this podcast, let's make it happen. We'll give that show to. Well, I think that um, that there's that show called the Showbiz Show, and mm-hmm. they have really good writers on it. And I mean, I've met David Spade; he's a really nice guy, but he he clearly isn't excited about being on that show, which yeah. is fine. Like, go do movies, and right. you've got this whole the career going on. So I don't understand why that show wasn't given to someone like an like Andy Kindler or especially Paul F. Tompkins or. Yeah. Or Jimmy Pardo, who could they they would have just run with that thing, yeah, yeah. and like may, they would have done with it what John Stewart did with The Daily Show after Craig Kilborn left. They would have right. made it, and maybe that'll still happen. Yeah. You know, but, it's true because <laughs> David Spade couldn't look less interested in telling his jokes. Yeah. On that show. yeah, and and he's what's weird is he's actually telling funny jokes. They've yeah. written some really good stuff. Yeah, but if you tell, you could take the most brilliant material, and if you deliver it, like you know, yeah, yeah well today. Uh, and then when you when you hit the punchline, you roll your eyes and go, "Oh man, <laughs> yeah." No one, of course, it's not going to seem good, right? I actually think it, it's he's gotten better for, when it started. That really seemed to be the case. I feel like maybe he's gotten a little more yeah. into it, but yeah. uh, I mean, he's a funny guy too. So uh, I don't mean to sound like, "Oh, fuck him." No, me neither. I just it, it's like it. Look, if if Conan delivered his stuff that way, it would not be a fun show, right? You know, right. you're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. He's got good writers. But it seems like Comedy Central, and, and you can speak to this from your experiences too, uh, especially after the Dave Chappelle debacle, really just wanted any any person with name value, any celebrity, anybody. Yeah. Well, that was one of the reasons they said was um, they're not bringing – they didn't bring back Communities of Comedy was we need to put all of our resources into finding a new Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And they were very, very open about that. Mm-hmm. Like, we want that again. Right. But what they didn't realize was that happened because of an inactive fluke. Right. They just gave him this show. He had a million shows at that point that didn't quite work. Right. A lot of movies didn't quite gel. And it's like, okay, I'll do a sketch show. And it caught on because they left him alone. Right. So now they can't. you can't actively pursue that. Yeah, it goes back to the thing you were saying about movies. Like, how? why can't they look at it and say... Well, Dave Chappelle happened not because we went out and said we got it. Dave Chappelle's a big star. Let's get a show with him. No, he, yeah. he was basically nothing on their radar, and they just let him do whatever he wanted, and it yeah. turned into a great thing. I remember the first season; they they promoted it as much as they promoted anything else. Right? Yeah, it, it just was not on. a huge push, and it caught on. Yeah. So you would think, why not just put a bunch of stuff out there and see what catches on? Yeah. Especially if you can do it as cheap as Comedians of Comedy was. Uh, 
So Give cheap. it a chance. So goddamn cheap. Yeah. Um, so wh- where exactly you, you got? You're doing LA on the 15th of August. Yeah. Um, where else are you going this time around? And then in starting in September, it looks like we're going to start in Nashville, Tennessee, and work mm-hmm. our way up the East Coast and end up in uh, Boston again. Oh, cool. Go through New York. We want to do a thing in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. We're going to do. Um, we're going to try to do Philadelphia again. Philadelphia was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I've, I never had fun in that city doing stand-up. But then again, I was working in really shitty clubs <laughs> when I was starting off. Yeah, so it yeah. was nice to go back and go, oh, this is great. Right. You know. What um, time is it? 2.51. Oh, should hey. we wrap it up? <laughs> we should wrap it up. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, all right, cool. Well, thank you so much for, for being here. Uh, people, if everybody could, look for them. If you could, like, cut out everything I said about Pixar, Sasha Baron Cohen, Comedy Central... <laughs> Uh, Torgasm yeah. and uh, my stand-up album coming out. Just lose all that and okay. you lose the rest. That'd be great. Cool. So we're going to be talking about Wild Wild West. There we go. <laughs> we oh, go you know what? <laughs> Rather you didn't talk about yeah. You could just cut out all the the Wild Wild West words. You could leave the story <laughs> without the... Yeah, just don't talk about the movie. Yeah, it was... This thing is Will Smith, he was in a cowboy hat. <laughs> I can't say the name of the movie. No, just be like, beep, beep. And with a horse come out, beep. <laughs> <laughs> People try to figure out what, when was there a horse? Well, man, thank you for driving into Burbank. No problem. Uh, it's my pleasure. Burbank. And uh, everybody uh, on the East Coast, uh, check out Comedians of Comedy in September Please. when it comes to your town. If you're in L.A., it's uh, at the Troubadour on the 15th. August 15th. Um, really fun show. That's a cool venue. Yeah. Uh, Are you going to come? Yeah, I, I yeah. hope so. Come on. Um, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, all right. So that's the show for this week. Uh, until next time, we'll see you on the board.